Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. All right, welcome back, everybody, to uh, Saturday mornings here on Money FM. Glenn and Neil with you all the way up till noon today. Uh, joining us now, Steve Oaken for our international news review. Steve, welcome back to the city state. Thank you, and I see Singapore saw I was coming back and, and eased up on a lot of the COVID restrictions, so it'll be just like the U.S. Well, let, let's let's get straight into that, because I've had our listeners on Ted to Hooks. I know we've got to get around the world, and you've just been around the world. You've come back from the U.S., and Glenn reliably informs me that you have a slight bee in your bonnet with the issue of masks. The floor is yours. Well, no, I mean, it, it's just the, the confusion around when you need to wear one, don't wear one. And I was, I'll tell you, basically where I was in, in the U.S., you know, which is all over the country, very, very few people are, are wearing masks at all. And then, you know, you come back to Singapore and it's like the rules didn't change. You go outside and it's still a good 90 percent, I would guess, of, of people are wearing masks. So uh, it's just the obviously totally different culture. But to see almost all the rules gone, no more testing to come into the country, no limits on how many people you can have dinner with. I still don't quite understand the work rules that you don't have to wear a mask if you're at your desk, but you have to wear one some other place, but you don't have to wear one at home. But we're getting there. So I'm thrilled to have, have gotten that uh, that news last night. There's yeah, there was a whole list. I think it was eleven or twelve. It was a big list of changes that are happening. So yeah. we are definitely moving the right direction, which is good. Ong Kong was like, "Hey, we've we've done a good job. We can open up." Getting rid of the uh, having to check in. Yeah, that's a big one. With that, which is a huge and one, no right? testing in the airport, going and coming in. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I just got to find five friends to have dinner with. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's my big challenge. You, it's been easy to have two people, right? You could you could get yeah. That. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve. Let's uh, let's move on because uh, one of the big stories this week that caught our collective eyes was the the new security pact that was apparently signed between the Solomon Islands and Beijing. And this has caused a diplomatic earthquake, I think is maybe even underplaying it too much between uh, Australia, New Zealand, the U.S., uh, all the countries in that part of the world. Tell us what we know so far about what's happening there. Well, I mean, people are referring to, to this uh, agreement between, the, you know, the Solomon Islands and, and China is a wake-up call. And this, this is not a wake-up call. I mean, this is a fire alarm to the United States. It's a fire alarm to Australia um, and New Zealand. And, and especially in the case of the United States, we basically ignored, you know, the countries in, in Oceania uh, for decades now. We, 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 you know, we've closed our embassies we closed consulates, we closed down the Peace Corps. And so what happened is that China has stepped into the breach um, in the last few years. They said, you know, we're going to give you lots of money. We're going to give you lots of money and, 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 and the countries can do with it, you know, what they want. Maybe some things they need, maybe some things they don't. But in exchange, and in what it appears to be happening in the Solomon Islands, is that this is opening up the first ever military base for China in the Indo-Pacific. So this has huge ramifications uh, for for so many countries in, in, in the world, not just in this part of the world. Which, which uh, Solomon Islands claims that will not happen. They say there is not going to be any military, long-term military presence. Uh, there's a U.S. delegation there right now, or was there yesterday, uh, and they said they've gotten assurances that there will be no military presence, no long-term bases, no nothing. So, so we're getting that message, but 
again, what does that actually mean? Uh, which is what well, I well, that's the thing. Ask, ask, ask the you know the 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 people who are in the countries and you know surrounding the South China Sea, where you know China wasn't supposed to be militarizing the South China Sea, and they have done that, and they have done this. You know, globally, they've done it in Djibouti. They're they're doing it in and they're trying to do it in the Americas now. And so this is part of it. It, it would be part of China's clear, you know, issue or, or clear goal of having a global military presence and having one, you know, in the Solomon Islands. I'm not a World War II buff, uh, you know, but certainly you, you remember reading about Guadalcanal and how critical those islands yep. were. Um, in World War II, and they're equally critical now. And so this is something you can't take at face value um, from from either of the, the governments. And that's why the U.S. Is, is really engaging now after decades of absence. Which is why I imagine your word is right. Alarm bells would be ringing in Australian diplomatic circles. I lived in Australia for five years. They're very sensitive about the security issues of the region, the Pacific Islands in particular. Relationship is fraught anyway between China and Australia. Mm. But bringing it closer to home, what does it mean for Singapore? You know, as a small island, as you mentioned there, in the South China Sea, Chinese majority, where does Singapore play in all this? Well, I mean, I, I think it, it, it has upsides and in, 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 in potential downsides when it comes to what's going to happen next. I mean, I think the lesson that the United States and Australia uh, and other countries should take is that we have to do a lot more in this in this part of the world, and that's something that the White House officials said. You know, when they were just in the Solomon Islands this week, is is uh, you know, as Glenn noted, right? The U.S. said we're going to not only open expedite the opening of an embassy in the Solomon Islands, which we closed, but we're going to work with you. We're going to give you. We're going to cooperate with you on your unexploded ordinance, which is still there, of course, from World War II. We're going to help you in terms of your public health. We're going to help you in terms of delivering vaccines. We're going to help you on the things that really matter to you, such as on climate change. And so you're going to see, I think, much more of a, of a recognition that it's not just about defense and it's not just about diplomacy, but it's about development. And that should bring, bring benefits across Asia Pacific as countries like the United States step up their game, which they have they have fallen behind on. Japan's been good at it. Australia's been good at it. Now the U.S. will get good at it. And that's something that will will benefit the, the Indo-Pacific overall. It's also going to show that there's a real competition between between China and the U.S. and its partners and this Indo-Pacific economic framework that is so much in the news that is very vague right now is going to have to have real deliverables. And those real deliverables, like having a digital trade agreement in which the U.S. and Singapore are both parties to, that could really help Singapore. Mm. Steve, uh, one last question on this, and we could talk about it all day. I think it's fascinating. But look, you know, we've been in the region long enough. We've all been here 25, uh, you know, 30 years. And when we see the the shift that China has made, not you know, first to the Spratleys, then you've got uh, what they've done in the Philippines. Of course, the fishing fleets have made huge deals with the Marianas Islands, uh, Palau, Truk, all those islands down there. Who was asleep at the switch that didn't figure their next move would be to the Solomon Islands, you know, in, in the U.S. foreign policy circles? 30 years they haven't had an embassy in, in the Solomon Islands. Like, did somebody not think, oh, wow, uh, you know, China will never go to the Solomons next? Like, who, who is in charge here? You know, how could they have missed this? Everybody, I mean, no, Glenn, that's the point. Everybody has, has fallen down. This isn't a Republican issue or a Democrat well, exactly, issue. I mean, exactly, exactly. 
you know, and this, you know, you, you know, President Trump's national security advisor, his first one, H.R. McMaster, said, you know, we vacated key areas of competition. We've been gone for so long um, that China saw an opening um, and they did what they should be doing. And right. so hopefully this is something that the, the, there's a bipartisan agreement in the U.S. We have got to up our game. Um, in this part of the world. And it's not just about diplomacy and it's not just about defense. It's about development. And we're starting to see that now. And it's, 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 it's late, but hopefully it's not too late. Yeah. Let's go, let's go to a, a, our next topic, which is expat bankers fleeing Hong Kong, but are seeing no easy escape to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Now we, we've been talking about these, the, mm-hmm. the exodus stories out of Hong Kong for quite some time now. Uh, what's the latest take on this from, as we're hearing it from Bloomberg? Well, I think, you know, Neil would certainly be in agreement that there are not enough bankers in Singapore uh, and that this should be at the top of the list of, of the Singapore government is to attract more bankers uh, to come here. Look, I mean, I think you are seeing a huge demand for people to come to, to Singapore um, from multinationals, not just Western ones, not just U.S. and Australia, but but Chinese multinationals are coming here. Well, there's only so much room here, and it's not like every banker should be at the top of the list to, to get in. And so the Singapore government is open. It is working with companies. But to have, you know, an article that say expat bankers are fleeing Hong Kong and seeing no easy escape to Singapore, Neil would probably say, you know, bravo. <laughs> That's the way it, it should be. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Here I am for the benefit of people on Facebook Live. Here is me playing the world's smallest violin for the world's wealthiest bankers. Now, I am a little bit uh, nonplussed, shall we say, with this spate of stories that have come out in the last few months or so, particularly from this particular news organisation, I hasten to add, you know, whining. It's just whining. Whining expats complaining that uh, Tardidums, Singapore won't let them in, or Singapore is raising the salary threshold for people who are not going to be anywhere near that threshold anyway. I'm not sure, Steve, how much sympathy, A, we're expecting these international bankers, international businessmen to have, and B, Surely it's the number one prerequisite of any half-decent government to put its citizens first. Lee Hsien Lung said recently, of course we are going to remain an international hub. But equally, like any elected government, we are responsible for our citizens and their well-being first. It's not, not unreasonable. Well, there's there's a line in the story. It says companies are expected to develop a Singaporean core of talent and groom Singaporeans for leadership ranks. Duh. (laughs) Yes, of course, that's what they're expected to do. And companies are doing that. And and that is why you are still seeing a a, a huge demand for for global companies to come here. Do we need Singapore, should say the collective weed? You know, do you need more family offices based here? Do they really generate the jobs that the, 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 the multinationals from China, the U.S., Australia, wherever, who are coming here and setting up and, and, and helping that Singaporean core grow, you want to put them ahead of both. Now, you want to have both. And there is a lot of, of the – it is important to have a vibrant financial services sector here. And Singapore is seeing that. But I, I, I think the sentiment of some of what's in this article from Bloomberg is right, that bankers are having a tough time. But it misses the bigger picture, which is this is still an extraordinarily attractive place, and it is attracting more and more people. Absolutely, it is interesting though that in that Bloomberg story they note that uh, that uh, Mark Mobius, the emerging markets investor, has left Singapore for Dubai, 
And we had Angie Lau on uh, two weeks ago from Forecast News uh, talking about how many of the cryptos are now rebasing in Dubai and, and just said, you know what, we don't need some of the regulations. You know, of course, COVID played a part of it, uh, a part in that. But, you know, you go to a zero tax, zero income tax location like Dubai, it's going to be attractive. And that's not the only place people are leaving to. Yeah, but putting on my socialist hat, dirty word for a second, we are supposed to pay taxes. I mean, not in Dubai, you're not. Well, that's why I've got zero interest in moving to Dubai. Right. But yeah. uh, if they want to go to a zero tax hub, good luck to them. Yeah. Singapore will do just fine. I'm, I'm just saying this is, you know, Singapore has always has positioned itself as a, a destination of choice for a lot of very, very Correct. good reasons. Um, and I think, you know, like any business, you have to gauge the, the economic winds that are blowing and respond appropriately if you want to maintain a certain level. At of what social status. cost? Well, you know, yeah, yeah of yeah. course, of course. But yeah, I'm but not okay, saying, it, I'm it, not it, saying it, Singapore needs to go to a zero tax. Mm. Uh, that's not my point at all. I'm just saying people are realizing that there are other opportunities out there. Yeah. Of course, and that's what competition's about, and, yeah. and people compete all the time. And but if you look at, you know, you will look in this article alone. Who's who's coming here? Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Sockgen, Credit Suisse, all are are moving staff here from Hong Kong. And so, it, look, and, and this is it's not just the financial services sector that wants to be here. It's a lot of different firms want to be here. Now, it used to be if you go back twenty years, you know when. You know, we all started, you know, being being here in Singapore, the three of us, more or less. You know, it was a whole different ballgame, and Singapore gave you a lot more incentives to come here. Now it's more about a win-win. Singapore says, we want you to come here, foreign companies, but we need to win, too. And, and so what can you do to help us grow that Singaporean core? What can you help us do to have Singaporeans rise in the ranks and not hit this, you know, glass ceiling of, of middle management, but, but to become the regional heads? There's this is so I think this article, it's, there's probably nothing factually wrong in it. But as, as Neil says, it's um, yeah. you bring out the tiny violin when you. When yeah, you and it's not the first. There's been a spite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's well, been a spite. I mean, this is a country that's based on business, though. It's based on, you know, it is a business hub and it, it has to remain so uh, for part of the success here to to carry on. Right. To the to anyone's to everyone's benefit. Uh, okay, so how they do that, we'll see how it how it goes going forward. Our last quick story, uh, Steve, also related to Hong Kong, coming out of uh, uh, that city this week was that the Star Ferry is likely not a hundred percent sure, but could very well be history after one hundred and forty two years. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. things about Hong Kong Loved is it. the Star Ferry. Sad story. This very sad. <laughs> And that story tells you all you need to know about what's happening to Hong Kong, as opposed to the article about how bankers are having a tougher time getting in here. It is, you know, I mean, it's, I just looked it up online, 50 cents, 50 U.S. cents to, to you know, to take the Star Ferry from Kowloon to Hong Kong Island. It's, it's, the, it's the cheapest, best tourist attraction yep. in the world. And to, Absolutely. you know, 142 years old, I mean, probably between the three of us, we, I, I would imagine we've been on it hundreds, if not, if not more times. I'd say more and than that, that is, <laughs> yeah, and that is a sad, and that tells you all you need to know about what's happening yeah. uh, in Hong Kong. Now, apparently, the, the way the story is written, it's not a fait accompli. It's not absolutely going to happen, but it looks pretty, you know, so who knows, maybe the fact that the story's out there, people yeah. will r- start to rally and they'll they'll come up with some sort of a savior plan. You know, I just look at it like I do a lot of things, just from the historical perspective, the heritage value to it. 1880, this ferry was yeah. launched, Steve. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an icon of Hong Kong, isn't it? 
It is, but you know, as Singapore almost goes to very few COVID restrictions, you've still got a week's worth of quarantine if you go to Hong Kong under under right. their easing of the COVID restrictions. So when are the tourists ever going to come back? You have a huge expat exodus uh, from Hong Kong, and that's only going to get worse. You start to read about the expats who are leaving, and a lot of it's the international school teachers. Well, if you don't have the good schools, then you're not going to have other people uh, uh, you know, move to Hong Kong as well. So Hong Kong is in a, a real economic crisis. And if the Star Ferry were to disappear, it would be a real blow, I think, in terms of the, the symbol of, of what's happening to, 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 that, to yeah. that city. All right, Steve. Thanks so much for filling us in on these stories and others today. Of course, we'll have your podcast online and uh, you'll be sending out the video of this as well. Great to have you back in the town. See you next week. Thanks. Talk Good to, you to soon. be back. Bye-bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.